We've had a great month discussing that. Any message that you miss at High Point, you can always listen to on our website. So if you missed any messages from the month of February about hunger and thirst, be sure to check that out. Um, so I'm excited to get into this this morning. But before we do, I have to confess to you that, or I need to let you know that I lost my glasses this week. I know. I lost my spare. I had already lost my main pair. And now I lost my spare. So... You guys kind of look like a lovely Impressionist Monet painting. I see that hand in the back, but that's about all I can see. So everyone's a little blurry. Um, I told Jenny, I said, I can't really see the monitor in the back. So if there's like a flashing Amy, you know, it's 1 p.m., please get off the stage. I won't know. Just make sure if I start preaching here, like, y'all get my attention and let me know that I'm facing the wrong direction. It's not that bad, but... Anyway, I thought about wearing my prescription sunglasses up here because that's what I did in Publix the other day so I could see the aisle markers and I looked like like a real housewife of Atlanta or something like some kind of like minor celebrity or something. I don't know. It's ridiculous, but welcome to my life. So, all right, before we get going, uh, let's pray. Can we do that? All right. Jesus, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that... Um, God, you want to speak to us, God, and that you want us to hear you. And so, Lord, we come to you today and just say, we need you today. We need you this morning. We need to hear from you. Would you open our ears to hear your voice? Would you open our hearts to receive this morning what you have for us? In Jesus' name, let's say amen. amen. All right. So today we're going to be wrapping up uh, our series with a passage from the book of Ephesians. Um, the book of Ephesians is uh, one of Paul's letters uh, that he wrote when he was in prison in Rome. And he had visited m many churches throughout the region by that time. And so he, he made the most of his time in prison by writing letters to the churches that he had already visited. So whenever, um, whenever I get an opportunity to speak or to teach and I'm, I'm using a passage from, from one of those books, it's important to me to, to remember and to remind us all that these are real letters that are written to real people. It can be easy to forget because we've had the Bible for a long time now. And it's easy to forget that, like, this had real, a real uh, immediate audience of people that a real person was writing to. And so it's always important for me uh, to remind us of that. And so Paul, spent, he's in jail. He's writing this book. He spends the first half, there's six chapters in Ephesians, he spends, he spends the first three kind of laying like a theological framework for what Jesus has done for us and how Jesus, he talks about, has reconciled Jews and Gentiles, which obviously was a big uh, theological issue, especially at that time. And then in the last half of the book, he really gets into practicalities of what it is to live like a Christian, to live this life for Jesus. Because you got to remember, they didn't have the scriptures like we had. These people were coming from all different types of backgrounds, from different lifestyles, from other religions, from worshiping other gods. And so they needed the specific information and wisdom and guidance that he gave them. And honestly, so do we. We need that too. And so I love uh, the letters of Paul because he really just get, puts it down where we can all get to it, right? He makes it practical. And I don't know if you're like me, I need it real practical sometimes. I'm like, that's great, but what do I actually do? How do I, how do, I do this? So 
we're going to discuss a passage from Ephesians chapter 5 that makes it real practical for us. So um, starting in verse 15, Paul's giving this instruction. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, this is verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Now, I just read a lot of verses. There's like five of them. That's Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. I'm not sure if it's on the screen yet, and that's okay, because you can look it up. You can Google it. Um, But here's what I want to hone in. Now, he's just given us a lot, several, some do's and some don'ts. Told told us to do some things and to avoid doing other things. And we're going to delve into that a little bit this morning. But before we do, I want to focus on the main do (laughs) that he gave us, okay? He says uh, in verse 18, he gives a command, a simple command. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, be filled. Now, this sounds like a command, doesn't it? Hey, be filled. But it's kind of funny because if you can hearken back to your days of like middle school and early high school English, this is in the passive voice. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'll I'll explain that. (laughs) What that means is it's talking about something being done to you rather than you doing something. So if you remember when you were in middle school and you would write essays, your teacher would tell you, she would write in her red pen, active voice, change this to the active voice. Are any of you having like traumatic, post-traumatic stress at this moment? Yes. So, so be filled is kind of a funny way to give a command. It's like if I hand Jason a phone and say, Jason, call your mom. He'll know what to do. He'll call his mom. If I hand him a phone and say, Jason, be called by your mom, he's going to be like, what is happening right now? You know, or if you are struggling, uh, if you're a student and you're struggling with um, a math, uh, your math homework, and some, <laughs> I come up to you and I just say, Isabel, be better at math. You're not going to find that super helpful, are you? Because it's kind of like, that's not something I do. That's something that's done to me. So how do I be filled with the Spirit? Because that's a command, but it's also about something that I need to have happen to me, not something that I can necessarily do for myself. So is being filled uh, with the Spirit an experience that I need to have? Or is it like a set of habits that I need to develop so that I can be filled. Now, different churches, different believers, different groups of of Christians around the world uh, have developed lots of different approaches and answers to this question. And so you can find a lot of different uh, philosophies and theories about what does that mean to be filled with the Spirit and and how do we do it? Um, Many seek an experience with God, like an emotional or kind of a experiential moment with God that for them 
quantifies being filled with the Spirit. Others seek to establish spiritual disciplines and habits and processes of studying the Word, of praying, wherein they believe that through those things that the Holy Spirit fills their, fills their heart and fills their life. So kind of two different sides of the coin and two different uh, approaches. So being filled, is it something that happens to me or something that I do? Consider that. Okay, so in our discussion of that, let's take a second and let's look at what makes it a little confusing for us as, as English speakers that maybe the original readers of this book didn't have the same issue that we do. Because when Paul says to them, be filled with the Spirit, the Greek word for spirit that we read as spirit actually meant, it kind of meant several things in the original Greek. It meant spirit, it meant breath, and it meant wind. Okay, so the actual Greek word in this verse is pneuma. So if you think of pneumatic, if you think of pneumonia, words that we have in English, things that have to do with air or breath. Okay, so when Paul says be filled with the Spirit, a lot of times you and I read that, and we might picture something like this. Like you might fill a water bottle. You fill it with water, you put the lid on, and... There, it's filled. You're good now. It's done. But if we understand that the command to be filled with that original word uh, with the Spirit is actually more like be filled with the breath, be filled with the wind, well then, maybe it could be something like... Now, does anyone know what this is? A recording! I'm going to whip out some hot cross buns. Just you wait. Now, if you have an elementary schooler in your life, this is probably traumatic for you to look at right now. <laughs> if you don't, you probably were one and you had to play this. Now, when I fill this, I can fill this. And when I fill it with air, I may, it's an instrument. It makes beautiful music, theoretically, right? And so for it, being filled is not the same as a one-and-done type of scenario. It's something that has to continually have air flowing through it. So Grace has got one more year of elementary school, and then we're going to have some kind of ceremony or something. I don't know. It's going to be great. I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Or, okay, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the wind. Be filled with air and breath. Or it could be like this. I, I am. I got it. Now, isn't this pretty? This beautiful sailboat. Now, picture the idea of sails filling with wind versus a water bottle being filled with water. See, we use the same word, fill, but it's a different idea, isn't it? Because you can't just fill a sail with wind just your one, one time and expect it to do what it needs to do, right? It's more of a, a continual filling. So, is being filled with the Spirit an experience or a habit? Is it something that needs to be done to us or something we need to do or, or what? Well, I would say it's yes. <laughs> I would say it's both. It's both at the same time. Because to have a sailboat, to sail a sailboat... You have to have 
some processes, some techniques, some habits in place, you have to position it. Is anyone sailing here? I do not. So I can't use any proper terminology. <laughs> it sounds amazing. But you have to know what you're doing, right? Because you can be out there and the wind can be blowing, but if your sail isn't positioned the way it should be, you're not going to go anywhere, right? And so is it a habit? Is it a habit you establish? Is it an experience that you have? It's a bit of both. You have to learn how to harness the wind. There are skills and habits you have to employ in order to experience. But if you employ those habits and there's no wind, guess what? You're kind of out of luck. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, think of it this way, maybe requires an attentiveness on our part to an external power that we don't have control over. Okay, so remember the sailboat as I'm talking about this, right? Being filled with the Holy Spirit requires somewhat of an attentive responsiveness on our part that I've positioned myself so that when God's Holy Spirit comes upon me, I can be filled. And so when Paul says to, to the Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, maybe instead of like you or me would picture a water bottle, they're picturing sails and positioning themselves so that they can catch that wind of the Spirit. When I was coming up, when I was putting this message together, I was reminded of a time when um, we had just moved back to the U.S. from Australia, and we were in California for uh, about a month. And we had Ava and Nate, our two oldest kiddos, um, take sailing lessons, just like for a day. I think it was for a day. Oh, maybe it's longer. I don't know. It's a blur. So did they ask to take sailing lessons? No, they didn't ask to. But we just kind of thought it would be a good idea. And so they went for like a half day of kind of classroom instruction. And then they got life jackets. And they got put on a little boat. And sent out into the ocean in Southern California. And they were like 9 and 11 or maybe 10 and 12. I don't know why Jason and I thought this was like a good idea <laughs> to send our, our young children into the open sea. But anyway, they came back. Look, he's right there. It was fine. It all worked out. But I was asking him earlier today, I was like, just remind me, learning to sail, like what was that like? And he said, well, for a long time out there, we didn't know what to do, and we couldn't get the wind, and we sat there, and our legs, he says, and our legs got sunburned, and it was hot, and we fought with each other. <laughs> I was like, yes, that sounds right. Um, but it's like that frustration, right, of doing something on your own. And so oftentimes when we live, when we're trying to live life as a Christian, it's, it's under our own kind of oomph, and power, it's like rowing a sailboat versus angling the sail and catching the wind and harnessing uh, that external power, right? So I said, well, when you did catch the, the wind, when you finally figured it out, was that better? He was like, oh, yeah, that was fun. That was good. So anyway, and then I was like, I'm sorry we made you do that. We were jet lagged. We, we didn't know what was happening. But it was fun. So, like a sail that needs to be filled with wind, and then the sailboat is powered by that wind, we need the Holy Spirit every day. We need the Holy Spirit every day. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-and-done type of thing. Now, 
you may find, and look, there's books of theology written about this, and we don't have time to go into it. And are you given the Holy Spirit uh, when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Yes, you're saved. Your, your heart is made new. You are now positioned uh, as, um, you're positioned with Jesus in heaven. You're made right with him positionally. However, being filled with the Spirit, think about it as being daily empowered by the Holy Spirit to listen to God, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to obey God, to live your life in such a way that um, you're set apart and you're different and you're living for him. So let's move on because Paul says be filled with the Spirit, but he gives us a lot of other do's and don't do's, right? So before this, he says in verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Another version says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So what is, what is foolish? Now remember, this is all Paul's presumption is that we can do these things because we're harnessing the power of the Spirit, because we're asking every day, not one and done, not at the moment of salvation, but we're asking every day for, for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to fill our lives. So what is foolish? Well, <laughs> when I got later into high school and I got a driver's license, and then eventually when I moved halfway across the country to go to college, um, my dad, as it, instead of giving me a ton of advice or a ton of things to do and things not to do and things to watch out for, whenever I would leave the house to go out and drive somewhere by myself, or whenever I'd be heading back to Texas for school, he would just say to me, don't do anything stupid. Like, that was the sum total of his advice to me. Amy, I love you. Don't do anything stupid. And so at first, when he would start to say that, I kind of rolled my eyes, and I was like, Dad, what does that even mean? And he would say, you know what it means. You've, you've lived with us long enough. You know what stupid is. You know what's stupid, and you know what isn't. And you know what? He was right. I had enough of a foundation um, in their household and as their kid that I kind of inherently knew, in general, what was a foolish or stupid choice and what was the more sensible path. Now, that doesn't mean that I always did the right thing, of course. And it doesn't mean, of course, there's, there's scenarios where you need advice and you need wisdom. But when you are living a spirit-filled life, there is something in you that's like, oh, that would be a dumb thing to do. Now, does that mean you're not, that you're going to choose not to do it? No, that doesn't always mean. Sometimes we choose the foolish thing anyway. But this is what Paul means when he says, don't be foolish, be wise instead. Like, don't do that stupid thing. Don't press send on that text message. Delete, 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 delete. Save it in your notes. Don't send, <laughs> don't send it. When you've been watching um, Netflix for so long uh, that you get that message on Netflix that says, excuse me, are you still watching this? Okay? Like, do you ever get that and you feel like hurt, like like you feel like they're making a judgment of you, like, yes, I'm still watching, it's been four and a half hours, thank you, it's fine, 
okay? You know that it might be the foolish thing to press next episode because it's 1 a.m. and you have to be up by 6, right? Sometimes you do it anyway. But in general, if my own life and then also a couple decades of ministry have taught me anything, it's that in general, usually as believers, we know what the stupid thing is. We know what the foolish thing is a lot of the time. Now, that doesn't mean we always listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and don't do it. But in the end, usually, you know. And you know that you know, right? So, Paul says, <laughs> don't be foolish, but be wise. So what does it mean to be wise? And the, that, verse, that passage really breaks it down for us. He says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Our days are limited. We don't know how many we have. And so he says, look, make the most of the opportunities that you get. Seek to know and understand God. He says, don't get drunk. In verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, don't get drunk is a command. And I think in literal sense, that's a command for us as believers, that we don't give over control of our faculties to anything other than the Spirit of God. But I believe we can also broaden that command to really look at don't live in excess of any habit. Because <clears throat> there's a lot of ways we can be under the influence, and not just drugs and alcohol, although certainly this passage is speaking to that as well. But really, he says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. There are other things in our life, other excesses that we can, you know, drinking may not be an issue for you, but other things might be, you know. And so it's important to realize being filled with the Spirit means that I don't allow myself to be under the influence of any other thing than the Spirit of God. And then he says, be filled with the Spirit every day. And then the, the passage uh, kind of wraps up with kind of a list of things that are a result of living that spirit-filled life. So he says in verse 19, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what does it mean? What does it actually look like to be filled with the Spirit every day? right? To have the wind of the Spirit kind of fill, fill your sails. Now, some of us read this psalm, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. I mean, and you kind of think, we don't do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, good morning. May the Lord bless you. You know, I'm not going to do that. That's going to be great on the recording, by the way. It's going <laughs> to sound amazing. Um, it sounds a little archaic, doesn't it? And it kind of sounds like kind of something that it's hard to relate to. But the reality is, when the Holy Spirit is living in you and transforms your life. There is a song in your heart. Whether you sing and like to sing, some of us stand in church, and I get it, we're uncomfortable singing out loud. Maybe because we don't like our voice. Maybe because we feel weird about it. I mean, in what other arena of your life do you stand as a group and, and sing? Not many, right? And so for some of us, it can feel a little weird. But you know what? Don't worry so much about that and focus instead on the fact that when Jesus transforms your life, there's something different in your heart. And as a result, you want those words to come out of your mouth. Whether or not you, keep, you restrict your singing to your car or your shower, or whether or not you want to stand up here and lead others in it. 
um, when you sing the words that we just sang in worship, it, your words remind your own ears of, what Jesus, of who Jesus is, of what Jesus has done for you. And you guys, it makes a difference. And so the spirit-filled life means that worship comes out of your heart and out of your life. He says, give thanks to God the Father for everything. A spirit-filled life results in gratitude. And sometimes it's in the act of giving thanks or expressing gratitude that kind of in some ways fulfills even more your enjoyment of that thing. You know, like sometimes we'll be out somewhere, do something fun with the kids or somewhere on a vacation, and one of Jason and I will just be like, everybody look around. And our kids roll their eyes, but it's fine. They still have to do what we say. Like, look around and look at this. This right here, what we're doing, this is amazing. This is a great moment right now. And sometimes even in the moment, expressing it like that makes it even greater. Because you just take a second and you allow that to sink in. So living a spirit-filled life means that you're always giving thanks to God the Father. That it comes out of who you are. That you may have known people or maybe you yourself have been through something really painful and difficult. Yet in the midst of it, you're able to express gratitude. Even when the situation itself is not something you would have asked for uh, or hoped for in a million years, there is a way that the Holy Spirit works in your life that you can be uh, filled with gratitude for something that God has done for you in the midst of it, for Him giving you peace, for the circumstances working out that someone was with you, or, you know, there's a hundred different ways. But the Spirit-filled life results in us always giving thanks to God the Father. And then finally he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this gets skipped over a lot because if you keep going in Ephesians 5, Paul then starts to talk about marriage relationships and how husbands and wives should relate to each other. But what I want to focus in uh, today for right now is he ends this passage, again, in the context of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, with there is harmony and mutual submission in relationships when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that there's, there can be a new level of peace in your relationships and resolution to conflict. Does that mean everything's perfect? No, but it means that this has a real world effect on your life and your relationships. Now, the early Christians that Paul's writing to, their very lives depended on a real world effect of following Jesus. Otherwise, why deal with all the persecution and all the things that they were enduring? But I want to remind us today that when you're walking with Jesus, when your life is, when you're asking him daily to be filled with his spirit, it makes a difference in your everyday life. Okay? And sometimes in our sometimes hyper-religious, you know, southern culture, it can be easy to forget that. But this stuff matters, not just for heaven at the end of your life, but it matters for right now. It matters because there can be change in your life, in your habits, in your relationships. And that matters. So as we begin to close, I want to talk about how can we be filled? Because remember, Paul says, be filled, like this kind of passive voice command, like, okay, it's like if I walk up to, if Andy has a headache and I just so and say, be healed, Andy, he's going to be like, okay. <laughs> so how then, how do we be filled? 
Well, number one, this is complicated, so I need everybody to pay attention. Number one is ask. Ask. We all know how to ask for things. And how do, we, how do I know that? Well, Jesus told us in uh, Luke 11, verses 11 through 13, Jesus is teaching. And he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And I'm sure in the moment they're like, no, Jesus is using this kind of extreme example to, to get a response from them. So you fathers, if, you, if, you, if your children ask for a fish, you know, because they're hungry, would you give them a snake instead? And they're all like, heck no. Thank you. That was great. Call and response. It's so good. Um, verse 12, or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? No, Jesus, of course we would. Why would we? That's ridiculous. Jesus then says, of course not. 13, verse 13, so, Jesus says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, this is important. This is something, this is a truth that needs to insert itself into our hearts this morning. I don't know if you're like me, all of us come from different backgrounds, but in the past, I've been a part of ministries or around groups of people that kind of the implication was to receive the Holy Spirit, you had to tick a lot of boxes. You had to sing a certain way. You had to pray a certain amount of time. You had to dress a certain way. And all of these kind of like extras that were added on. But really, what we see from Scripture is Jesus says, just ask. If you're going to give food to your children when they ask for it rather than you know poisonous animals how much more you're sinful jesus says you don't know what you're doing jesus says how much more does your heavenly father who loves you how much more will he give his holy spirit to you when you ask him because you need it it's like if if my kids came up and were like mom we need more vegetables Oh my gosh, I would trip over myself, right, to give it to them. Or we need more time to do homework and to study and to, to read books. Okay, right? God wants to give his spirit to us when we ask him. It's a good gift, and he gives good gifts. So, number one, ask. Okay? Number two, equally as complicated. Um, keep asking. That's it. That's really, that's really it, to receive the Holy Spirit. Ask, and then ask again. When you wake up in the morning, remember we talked about spirit is air and wind. When you wake up in the morning, you don't take a deep breath. Fill your breath, fill your lungs with, with air, and then you're like, good. I'm good for the day. No, you have to, if you did that, you'd collapse before you finish brushing your teeth, right? So we ask, you breathe, and you keep breathing. You ask, and you keep asking. You fill your sail with wind, and then you keep positioning yourself to continue to receive that as you go, because that's what powers you, right? So Matthew 6, we know it well. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need, including his Holy Spirit. So ask and keep asking. 
Now, this is predicated on the fact that you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're going to pray about that as well in just a moment. But if you are a believer, if you're someone that's wanting to walk with God and love him and serve him, when you ask Jesus to be filled with his spirit, he's going to do it. So, again, let's go back to as we close and pray. Is it an experience or is it something we do? And the answer to that is yes. It is an experience. Being filled with the whole, being filled with the spirit can be a spiritual experience that you have. Just like think about any loving relationship that you have. There are times in the context of that relationship where you feel an emotional response, whether it's um, a husband or wife, a boyfriend or girlfriend, a friend that you adore, a child, your mom or dad. There's the times when you have an emotional connection and response. There's other times when you're just kind of doing your thing, and they are too. And so in the same way, similarly, our relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, sometimes you're going to sing and worship, and you're going to sense emotionally and sometimes even physically the presence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you're not going to sense anything physically or emotionally at all. But listen to me, and please hear this today. The Spirit filling you is not dependent on the kind of experience that you have had on a given Sunday or on a given morning that you're reading your Bible. The scriptures are clear. Ask and keep asking because he likes to give gifts to his children and he likes to, he longs to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Amen. So we're closing out our hunger and thirst series and really at the end of the day to continue to hunger and thirst for Jesus we need more of Jesus, right? We've talked about this before. If you stop eating food, eventually you'll be so starved you're not hungry. You don't feel hunger anymore because your body has just forgotten how. And that's the beginning of the end, right? In the same way, we need Jesus to need more of Jesus. <laughs> we need the Spirit to even want more of the Spirit. So as we close today, I want to just I want to pray for us. If you guys could stand to your feet. It's really not a question of if we need to be filled with the Spirit, because we do. We all do. We need the Holy Spirit. So I just want us to, if we can just close our eyes, we're going to just take a moment and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us this morning. And remember our analogies this morning. You don't picture it being filled like a water bottle. Picture it being filled like a sailboat. A continual process wherein you are um, attentive and responsive to an external power, which is God. So positioning yourself and your heart to receive from him. So let's just do that this morning. Lord, position us this morning. Tune our hearts and our ears in the midst of um, everything else that we have maybe going on in our lives. Lord, we want to be like a sailboat in the ocean where our sails are turned towards you, turned toward the wind, that you will power us and empower us so that we're not rowing our boat on our own. We're not trying to live this life under our own limited power, but God, that you um, are strengthening and empowering and loving us through uh, all the way through.
So think about this morning. We all need the Spirit to fill us. What do you need the Spirit to fill you, to handle, to do? What new perspective do you need this morning? What empowering do you need from the Holy Spirit? And just take a minute. And I don't need to ask for you. I don't have any kind of special power. This word says, you ask. So take a minute in your own way and in your own heart. Ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit this morning. Ask him to fill you with his spirit as we pray. specific. Tell him, Lord, I need your spirit in this way today. Jesus, this is an urgent thing. I don't know what to do. Lord, help me. experience you and your spirit in all ways. God, we want to f- we want we want our emotions to respond to you. We want to know what it feels like for your spirit to fill our hearts. We want to experience you. But Lord, we also whether we feel anything or not, Lord, we trust that your word is true. That when we ask, you fill us with your spirit. It's not dependent on how we asked or what we did leading up to when we asked or any of that. But, God, it's dependent on you, your your goodness, and your love for us. So, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here in our midst. We thank you that you fill our hearts with you, with yourself, that you guide and direct us, that you remind us and teach us the way to live. Help us to listen to you. Help us to be mindful of the things you're saying to us. Help us to live differently today and all the days that follow. In Jesus' name.